Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger. Here's an idea. What if you took one day each week to slow down, chill out, and enjoy relaxed meals and quality time with loved ones? It can be a life-altering habit to get into, and it's just what my guest today, chef and celebrated cookbook author Adina Sussman, helps us do with her latest book, Shabbat, Recipes and Rituals, From My Table to Yours. In this episode, she shares strategies and inspirations for making weekend eating both restorative and sumptuously delicious. Welcome, Adina Sussman. It is so good to have you here with me on the podcast. It's so good to be with you in any form of media possible. Human is the best, but it's also just so nice to see you and to talk to you. Well, I have to start off by telling my listeners how close we actually are. This is no ordinary chef, you guys. This is Adina (laughs) Sussman. She is very special to me. Adina is, first of all, over, you know, you work with someone for, we worked together for like 10 years when we were birth, both really first starting out in this food media industry. Adina helped me. If chances are, if you have eaten any of the recipes, you've cooked any of the recipes for my Food Network show, from my first several books, Adina worked on those recipes. We, she helped me develop recipes from the beginning of the Food Network show. And you're in the kitchen with someone and I feel like either you come to, you get to the point where they either annoy you or you completely adore them. And with Adina, it's the completely adore. (laughs) Thank you. We definitely had a mind meld and a personality meld and it was just, it was professionally so incredible and personally even more amazing. And I feel so lucky that we had all that time working together and hanging out together. And not only did we have so much good food, and you taught me so much about flavor and flavor development. You really taught, I feel like I, I'm constantly learning. And I think that state of constantly learning is the place to be when you're alive, to stay alive and to stay growing. But you definitely taught me so much about flavor and flavor development and, and technique and passion for food. You bring that all and you brought that all into my life in such a beautiful way. Um, And then we just had plenty of belly laughs. Like I have never (laughs) laughed harder with anyone (laughs) in my life than with you, I think. So true. And we also were neighbors. So it was so fun to, you know, get to take walks in the park together and literally shuttle food back and forth between our homes and offices. And it was just, it was, it felt like a a little community that we built together. It's so true. It's so true. Well, thank you for being here and especially to talk about this one real good thing. So your one real good thing is to carve out downtime with relaxed weekend meals. And where this stems from is your new book, which is amazing. And I knew it would be amazing, Adina, but I didn't know it would be a book that I wanted to like curl up in bed and read. I I hardly do that with cookbooks. I hardly have the desire. For me, it's mostly like, oh, I'm getting ideas for cooking. But there's so much personal, uh, intimate, personal writing in this book that really takes you on a journey. And the book is Shabbat, Recipes and Rituals from My Table to Yours. Shabbat, recipes and rituals. So we're talking about downtime. Maybe you can explain to us, actually, start off, what is Shabbat and what does it mean to you? 
Sure. So Shabbat is the Hebrew word for the Sabbath. Um, and, you know, I grew up um, observing the Jewish Sabbath or what we called it Shabbat. And in Israel, where I live, Shabbat is also just how one refers to the weekend. So when you say Shabbat Shalom, it's not necessarily a religious uh, greeting. It's sort of just like, have a great weekend. And, you know, when I moved to Israel, um, Shabbat became, I realized that Shabbat was almost a national holiday in Israel. Every week people take their cooking and relaxing really seriously. And I sort of got to reevaluate the concept, uh, living in Israel and cooking here and, um, just opened my eyes to lots of new ways to cook and how to sort of really use food as a way to reconnect to friends and family and unplug in the process. And it was, it, it was a great journey. So, so observing Shabbat doesn't have to be necessarily a religious act. It can be just like a healthy habit. Right. So, you know, one thing, you know, the way that I grew up, there were a lot of things that we did and did not do to observe the Jewish Sabbath. And in Israel, there are, you know, no matter what level of religion you are, um, even a lot of people who aren't Jewish, the idea of Shabbat is more just the weekend. So I really learned how to disconnect to reconnect here. And, you know, not just through food, you know, I, you know, you know, in the States, you kind of like sneak off work emails on the weekend and you don't necessarily expect someone to write back. Often people do. Well here, you know, I realized I would send some texts on Saturday afternoon after sort of the weekend had kind of begun. And it was like deafening silence on the other end. And I realized that like people really take their communication cut off really seriously and take that time to really take a deep breath. And the whole city kind of slows down on the whole country slows down on Friday afternoon. And, you know, it's a lot of it is about food, whether you're eating out or cooking at home with friends and family and hosting. What an incredible thing culturally. And I think you see this also. I hear a lot about this in France. I just talked to, I did an episode recently about joie de vivre living in France and how this joyful life is sort of baked into the culture in this way. And a big part of it is this designated downtime that the whole culture observes. So you don't feel this pressure to do stuff. You actually almost feel compelled to relax and to take this break. So now you're, you, you came from, you know, growing up in California, living in New York in this like kind of fast paced situation. And then you move to Israel and you start observing this Sabbath, this weekend break. And what did that do for you personally? You know, my husband, Jay, who's American has been living in Israel for decades. And at the beginning, he was much better at sort of unwinding on the weekend than I was. And I think I, I had to sort of train myself out of my Manhattan (laughs) sensibilities, you know, and like in New, I always joke that in New York, even like spontaneity is scheduled two weeks in advance. (laughs) You know, it's like, let's pencil in something spontaneous, you know? And so, you know, the idea of not having plans, you know, in Israel on the weekend, uh, obviously people invite friends over for meals and people do do things, but there is also this social contract of relaxation and spontaneity, which means often that like on a Saturday, if I've put together a big pot of stew on Friday night and put it overnight in the oven, which is like another feature of a lot of Shabbat cooking that we can talk about. Sometimes I'll have no guests 
at 10 a.m. And by 2 p.m., we'll have like 10 people over, you know, just who who have are, are participating in this sort of social contract of being relaxed and being spontaneous. And, and that allows for a different kind of entertaining than even I was used to. You know, in New York, if you invite someone over for a meal four hours in advance, the chances of them being available are very slim. Um, right. And yeah, and so I, it took me a while to ease into that and also to s- cooking in a different way. Like like I, I wrote a little recipe, um, essay in the book about cooking as a form of relaxation. And I really wanted to explore that theme and just sort of like listen to the sounds of cooking. You know, um, this ha- started, I started writing this book during COVID and there was a lot of quiet around me. And especially on Shabbat, I just realized how much I was enjoying like being one with myself in my kitchen and just sort of cooking quietly, maybe without music or maybe with music, if that's what I want, but just, you know, sort of open-ended cooking or cooking as a form of self-love actually, which was is different than even cooking for guests, you know, or cooking for a weeknight dinner, you know, sort of slowing it down, slowing it down. Yeah. And just that notion of cooking for self-love, for nourishing yourself Mm -hmm. spiritually, physically, Mm -hmm. I feel that that's a cornerstone of nutrition. Like to me, that's what nutrition actually is. It's this this act of self-care. Right. And I talk about the rituals of Shabbat, you know, rituals that has sort of a a holy or religious connotation. But to me, like a braiding a challah is a ritual that I now just really enjoy. And, you know, the recipe that I put in the Shabbat cookbook for challah is so simple. Like I want people to commit it to memory after making it a few times and just be able to braid the simple three strand challah with their eyes closed and sort of enjoy the moment as opposed to having to look at a TikTok video for how to do a 10 strand challah, you know, with some trending music or whatever it is that's going on. Like this is about you and the bread. (laughs) Right. Right. And the smell and the livingness, the life of the yeast and the smell of it and all of that. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's taking things that maybe I, I want, I once baked or cooked or looked at differently and sort of transforming them in, in new surroundings and with like a new approach. So what's interesting, I want to dig into this idea a little bit more because I, I was very like, hmm, sparked by this. Cause when I thought initially Shabbat cooking, I think, okay, make ahead. Right. And, and I have these images of like, the the old moms in the shtetl yeah. like bringing the uh-huh. pot of stew to the community oven yeah. and that's how people would would do sabbath so they had this meal cooking overnight so they they didn't have to do any work the next day and for me the idea of not cooking is actually the rest um or yeah. it was until you brought this up because i started thinking like oh all the make ahead things and that's what this episode this podcast episode's going to be about and that's i was thinking what your book would be about but how interesting because you opened up this notion to me of cooking of how to so that's one way to do it and absolutely yeah. i will con- i mean the idea for me of making i always make twice as much of any yeah. given dinner and then i have dinner the next night in the refrigerator i love that so that's my answer. there you know there are, i love you know things that i put in the oven before shabbat that i then just wake up and serve to like 10 or 12 people like it's definitely also a part of, of my experience, but yes, you were saying, yeah. So 
So I think that's what maybe people would automatically knee jerk think of is those types of make ahead things, which is what I did. And then you opened my mind completely to this notion of cooking as a form of meditation, cooking as a form of mindfulness, cooking as a form of relaxation. And how does that differ from everyday cooking? And I just started thinking about it. Like most days I come home and cook and I'm, I feel like I'm playing beat the clock, honestly. Yeah. And you're probably on the phone and you're probably, you know, still checking emails and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's like taking deep breaths, you know, um, and just finding that space for yourself. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's with, it's, it's open-ended cooking a little bit, you know, there's like also, you know, sometimes I'll start something and it'll sit out for a couple of hours. Like maybe I'll like grill some eggplant, but then like, it'll just hang. If I start at 10 in the morning or whatever, I'll just hang out for a few hours. And then like at one or two in the afternoon, I'll chop it up and make a salad with it. Or like, I'll have things in the fridge that I just kind of want to, you know, hang, spend time with. So I'll do something with them, but it's sometimes even less recipe oriented necessarily. And I always say about my cookbooks or the best cookbooks, I think that like recipes are just, you know, they're just guidelines. They're not hard and fast rules. You know, it's like you look at something to, like you said, to get inspired. Um, so, you know, if someone looks at my book and, you know, I think even the way my book looks, you know, I think we successfully conveyed this sort of like, there's like a, there's an energy to the book, but there's also like a quietness somehow, you know, and there are a lot of tablecloths and sort of surfaces and homey things to sort of, it's, it's fresh and modern, but it definitely has like a, like, like a, a slowed down feel. That yeah, was- it definitely has that like kind of warm hug sort of vibe in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, but so, so incorporating, so for people to do this in their life, I think yeah. it's a really important and wonderful and potentially life-changing habit as, as you say, it really like changed your life in some way to start observing Sabbath. So maybe one day a week, folks, right? And I'm saying this to myself among the folks, we take a day, maybe it's that we make some meals ahead. And maybe it's that we just take a deep breath and say, oh, I'm going to do something that I feel like doing with these tomatoes that I got at the market and not feel like we have an agenda and not feel like we have to um, make a million plans or and that's a lot of maybe don't make plans for one day and see like what that opens up for you in your life and your cooking, in your relationships with your family, you know, it, what, what, I mean, you're sleeping, <laughs> napping opportunities on Shabbat are epic. <laughs> um, you know, that's one of my greatest memories from childhood is both taking naps. And then also with the time when my parents and my sister were napping and I had the house kind of like to myself where I was reading books that were maybe a little like past, you know, too, too mature for myself or, or just spending time in, you know, by myself in the quiet, you know, because the way I grew up observing Shabbat, we didn't watch TV. We didn't drive. We didn't do, we didn't use the phone. We we really had like a little, like there's a term, like a palace in time. It was like this little like Island that we created in our family. And like, that's something that I don't observe as strictly as I used to, but like, I'm always chasing that feeling, you know, it's, and now we call it like a, uh, a media detox, right? Now we call it literally a detox, which I hate that word, but I think it really applies in this case. So let's dive into some food. So let's talk about some of these recipes. Cause I mean, they are 
amazing as I knew they would be, but honestly, I just feel always so inspired. And so many of them, like you say, it's not just like lots of bells and whistles for the sake of it. It's just like oh. all really doable and but with something special about it. So, um, white shakshuka, simple. Mm. I mean, I want to make that like now, <laughs> um, grape and walnut labna toast, yeah. uh, feta artichoke and pea dip seared broccoli with caper vinaigrette Friday frittata. I mean, a frittata. I love a frittata. You can just, right. I'll make a frittata with like just whatever's in the yeah. fridge. Right. Absolutely. And, and just let it hang out and, you know, whoever goes by grabs peace or, you know, it can be the center of a meal. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, in Israel, the ingredients are wonderful. So a lot of times it's just about like selecting really good produce and like letting it shine. But, you know, I think all these recipes are made makeable in the States and makeable to like on a high level without, yeah, tons of, you know, a million steps and lots of preparation. So, you know, as you, you know, I mean, you say you learned from me, but, you know, one of the things I learned from you is just ways to just make vegetables the star of a meal or incorporate, you know, incorporate more plant-based elements into your food. And my recipes aren't overly sweet. You know, I like, I'm more on the savory side of things for the most part. Um, I love like a good, like crunch of like a vegetable and like a really like, like a, some kind of a, an addition that like packs a flavor wallop, whether it's something really lemony or tart or crunchy, you know, so like some kind of a contrast. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, things you can make in advance or throw together or eat at room temperature, which is like a whole nother room temperature food is like such a, I feel like that's an indulgence, you know, it just like, takes the pressure off completely. Like you don't have to have it. You can do it whenever kind of right. thing, because, you know, especially, you know, we're talking in August where, you know, the world is just like experiencing like world record temperatures, you know, and the idea that you can just take things out of your fridge and kind of let them like meet, meet the temperature of your home and then like enjoy them where they're at instead of like recooking them or reheating them. Like, I love something about that too. You know, like a lot of the dips in the book, like the artichoke pea and feta dip, um, or, you know, the, the roasted eggplant, tomato and pepper dip all those like yummy things that you can just pull out of the fridge and enjoy, or even, yeah, a frittata, like, you know, that's a room that's like ideal at room temperature, you know? Totally. Totally. And then, then you have like the classic, mm -hmm. I guess you could say classic, um, Sabbath things. Like you, you call Sabbath stews, you have a whole chapter and you call that Shabbat in a pot. <laughs> yeah. so what are, what are some of your favorite Sabbath stews that you, that you love? So I, I grew up, you know, so in Ashkenazi or Eastern European Jewish culture, like a Sabbath stew is called cholent and it's pretty traditional. It has like potatoes and barley and beans and, and some kind of like stew meat that cooks for a long time um, and onions. And, you know, I love that. But one of the things that I love about writing cookbooks in Israel is that it's just such a multicultural place. And, you know, I think in the United States, a lot of people still associate quote unquote Jewish food with what's called like Ashka normativity, <laughs> like things that are like, you know, all the chopped liver and the chicken soup, matzo ball soup and the pastrami sandwiches and that stuff is all great. But here, you know, there are millions of people from Sephardic and North African cultures and 
you know, they have also their stews, their chameens. And, you know, I got to go into people's homes, like mothers of friends of mine who taught me their family stews. And one of the ones that was really special was something called um, Hameen Ta'amer, which is um, my friend Avichai. Uh, His mother makes this amazing Hameen or stew that has um, like a meatloaf that you make and put inside the stew that has ground nuts and warm spices in it. So it's almost like it's this extra treat. Like a lot of, a lot of uh, Sabbath stews have like a little like bonus item in them. Cause it's supposed to be like the whole meal in one pot. So this one has, and also has like a chili oil, you know, chili crunch is so like trendy right now, but like they've just been making this chili oil since time immemorial. And then they put it in the hameen and on top. So I love that one. Oh, that also, sounds amazing to me. I want to make yeah. that like now. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. And um, Benny Briga, who I wrote the Gazos, the sparkling drinks cookbook with his, we cooked with his mom, um, a stew that starts with a sort of crispy reduction of um, Swiss chard that you cook down until it's like irony and really dark green. And that's like the basis of the stew and provides this really like minerally earthy element and this sort of like greenish tint to the stew. And then we put in these little um, dumplings called kuklot that are made from semolina and they make them with ground lamb fat that they get at the butcher, but you can also make them with olive oil or whatever you want. And so like you've got you know, both chicken and meat. And then you've got these little dumplings inside. So like you're fishing around in the stew and you like always coming up kind of, it's like the Cracker Jack box of stews. You know, there's always like a a prize inside. So those are a couple of the good ones. And then I took my mom's cholent and I put um, pastrami in it to give it like a little smoky, like seasoning. And then also my mom used to put ketchup in her um, cholent and I'm not, no judgment here, but I like sort of reimagine that by using like tomato paste and some vinegar and a couple of the like ketchupy elements without using ketchup. So, you know, I always have fun sort of like taking those family taste memories and kind of putting my own imprint on them. I totally do the same exact thing. And sometimes my mother gets mad at me, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, but um, I do, I really, I think people might think, oh, Israeli food, that's like one note or whatever, and have a certain notion of it. But what I was blown away by is that in this book, there are Ethiopian recipes, Eastern European, all over the Mediterranean, Yemenite, Turkish, uh, yeah. African. And so there are, it's really like a world flavor kind of situation. And I love that about it. And it makes it so interesting, but all very accessible. I feel like you say with the Swiss chart, like I can definitely get all of those ingredients and make yeah. that fun stew. Um, and then you talk about Kugel, which I love Kugel too. And, um, and you say that's the king of Sabbath, the Kugel king. Um, and you have a whole chapter dedicated to those two. And that's also another make ahead thing. And, and, um, you're, you have some good history with Kugel. Yeah. Kugel's like a casserole and, um, you know, the most famous, I would say like a lot of people are used to like the noodle pudding with dairy, with cheese and fruit in it that people eat, uh, like, and so much sugar usually, which I find very off putting. (laughs) (laughs) We never ate that version growing up because we kept kosher and we never mixed meat and dairy products. So my mother would made a noodle pudding, but it had pineapple and raisins in it and much less sugar. And it was a more like modified version of that. So I took that idea and I made like a caramel apple kugel ring in the book, um, which is really yummy. 
Um, but then like, you know, my grandmother's potato kugel is legendary and I sort of think of it as like a giant oversized latka, like all the sides have to be really crispy and it has to have a creamy center. Um, and I worked on it a lot and, you know, it has a lot of eggs. Um, it's quite rich and filling and delicious. Um, and you know, my grandmother's kugel like was pretty legendary and people would sort of, I think they could smell it down the street and sort of come in and everyone was hoping for that extra corner, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You needed one of those pans, like those brownie pans that have like all the different corners. Totally. What was really special about the book for me was I didn't realize how much it was going to become like a personal meditation on how I was raised and all of my family traditions. And I kept coming back to those things when I was writing all of the uh, head notes and, um, it just, you know, and I, I feel like the, the cookbooks that resonate with me are ones that have a really strong personal narrative. And so it's sort of similar to Sababa, how it just really became the story of me moving here and integrating into life in Israel. Like I let my memories lead me down this road. And like, I think it took me to a good place and it didn't interfere with all the other things that I wanted to accomplish in the book. So, you know, just really became very personal. And for those who don't know, Sababa is Adina's first solo book. She wrote 14, co-authored 14 books or more maybe. Um, And Sababa is, it was rated like the number one book by Food and Wine and all these other. Bon Appetit. It was quite, it was quite a, quite a wonderful and surprising ride. (laughs) Yeah. So it was rated number one by Bon Appetit, New York Times, you know, just a few minor publications, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, and it's such a great book too. So Sabab is our first book, Shabbat Recipes and Rituals, From My Table to Yours. Definitely check it out. And and regardless, really consider this one real good thing, which is to carve out downtime with a relaxed weekend meals and figure out what that means to you. Figure out what carving out downtime means to you. Maybe it means a detox from media. Maybe it means uh, making no plans. Maybe it means taking a nap every day. (laughs) Maybe it means making meals ahead. And maybe it means just relaxing into your meals or maybe all of those things. But I hope that you found some inspiration for doing that um, with our conversation today. And Adina, before we wrap up, I just wanted to turn people on to your culinary tours, Mm. which just look magical. Tell us about the culinary tours. Yeah, thank you. I, I, you know, it's like a dream come true for me. I was approached by a company to start helping curate trips based upon, you know, all the things I've learned living here and sort of being an, an insider outsider in Israeli food culture. You know, I sort of think I have a good idea about what Americans like to see when they come to Israel. So I've got to, I've gotten the chance to host like eight day trips where we go all over Israel and meet chefs and cook some things and have amazing uh, nature experiences and learn about the political situation and mostly just eat, drink and commune around food and and enjoy one another's company. So um, I'm doing a big tour in December with Michael Solomonov, my friend who's the owner of Zahav and Laser Wolf. And we're doing um, an eight day trip uh, at the end of November, beginning of December. And I, I love the tours and the mostly love that I still am learning about this culture and this cuisine. And I get to, not only do I get to teach people what I know, but I also get to learn from, from taking these trips. 
always learning. That's the key to happiness. I think that's amazing. So, and so where can people find out more? Um, on my website or my Instagram, um, the company is called Via Sabra. So you could look, uh, Google Via Sabra as well. Great. Well, thank you so much, Adina. I appreciate you being here and inspiring us all. Um, and, and, and I'm feeling your love always. So thank you for being here. I can't wait to see you in person soon and take a walk in Central Park together. <laughs> it's a must do. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to get into the habit of truly decompressing for at least one day of the weekend. Join me next time for another one real good thing. <laughs>